If it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. If you're a really clever one and you know what it is to see, then you can make friends with a special one, a friend of you and me. His name is Mr. Babadook, and this is his book. A rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. That's when you'll know he's around. You'll see him if you look. Ba-ba-ba-duk-duk-duk. We might read another one tonight, eh? But you said I could choose. This is what he wears on top. He's funny, don't you think? See him in your room at night. Mum, does it hurt the boy? Mum, does it live under the bed? Mum? Mummy! Mummy! How sweet were they, son? Telling of the happiness and loveliness that lay at the bottom of the ocean and entreating the sailors not to be afraid. Oh, you want to play psycho killer? Can I be the helpless victim? Okay, let's see. No, please don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I want to be in the sequel. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Look at me, Damien! It's all for you! I am the eater of wolves and of children! You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Welcome to another monstrous edition of the greatest, greatest October in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 199, The Babadook. Where does one even begin after the hours of talking we've done <laughs> before this episode started rolling? We're just warming up. Nice warm-up session. We're starting approximately... <laughs> Two hours and 20 minutes after we were supposed to start. I feel like we did like the warm up, a marathon, and now we got to try to like get it back up. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> to up, get it going. Yeah, It's up real right. good. Oh, yeah. This is episode number 199. Can you believe it? I can't. I, I try to refrain from being like, who would have thought? Because. But uh, this really is a who would have thought. Yeah, I know. Because even when we got to 100, I was like, there's no way we'll do another 100. The years spent doing this show at this point. Yeah, the hours and hours I've dedicated to this stupid thing. Un- I hope you listeners are grateful. Fathomable. Oh, unfathomable. I can't talk. That's the thing. Okay, so before we jump into the Babadook, let's do a little housekeeping here. We mentioned it at the end of the Rosemary's Baby episode, but we'll mention it up front here. So we have one more 
entry left in this extended greatest October, which will be episode number 200. Oh. It will come out a little faster. We hope to get that up on October 31st. That's right. And then, as is our recent custom, at least, you know, the last few years. I don't think we did it the first year, but... Yeah. This year, we are going to still take a little bit of a break, even though we had an extended one earlier in the year. It's okay. It's still just need a, a break. We put yeah. a lot of time into this greatest I'd October. So. I need yeah. a breather. Yeah. And of course, if you couldn't guess, episode number 200 will be a big one. If you want to oh, yeah. venture a guess, feel free to text me. I won't tell you if you're right or not, but you know, if you want to engage I like how you act way. like all of our listeners have your personal <laughs> phone number. <laughs> yeah. Most of them do. That's true. And if you don't, tweet the show. <laughs> tweet the I'll show. I'll, I'll send it right. to you. So, yeah, we'll be back hopefully sometime around Thanksgiving. So just a heads up, the episode number 200 will be sitting up there for a few weeks. Then we'll get right back into it to close out 2020, the shittiest year of all time. Seriously. It's been a draining year for being at home for so long. Yeah. And you know what? I'm pretty much a homebody anyway, and other than going to the movies, I don't really do a whole lot. So the first few months of this bullshit, I was sort of rolling with it. You were like, this is my moment. But I really started to feel it in October because I can't believe that Halloween is like a week away. Partially because the weather is all over the place. Not to uh, continue being obsessed with time, as we want to do on this show, (laughs) but I just feel like time is going by so quick for nothing to do <laughs> you know what i mean it's, yeah all this time is going by and i have nothing to show for it well that's because this year just never really happened that's it never got started i mean we start talking about normally we'd be gearing up for our oscar bait movies i'm already thinking you know what's gonna land on my top 10 list it's just <laughs> yeah uh, that's gonna be a rough top 10 list <laughs> it's just it's not inspiring yeah it's weird to think october is about to be over and Halloween is here. I just haven't gotten in the right mood. I know. But then again... It feels, although it's like... It always goes by so fast. And then I'm always like, well, I'll just keep watching horror movies all year round. And then I do. That's true. I'm glad, you know, we are going to sneak in a a double feature horror movie night tomorrow night. I'm excited about that. So little to look forward to these days. A gathering of the ass clowns, That's true. That's right. I would love to get all the ass clowns together. I, I would love to rent out a theater and have... A time, sometime in our lives. We'll do that. The Babadook is from 2014. It's the most recent film of this year's crop of Greatest October selections. We've kind of gotten a a decent mix of all the different decades. It's almost uh, embarrassing to admit at this point uh, upon rewatch, but I also feel like of all the movies that we've done, possibly one of the movies that scared me the most when I watched (laughs) it the first time is The Babadook. And yes, I was a grown... I don't want to say man, but I was certainly a grown boy in my 20s <laughs> when I saw this movie the first time, and I, I, I found it pretty frightening, although not so much this time around. We were definitely psyching ourselves up for it to be really scary that first time. Yeah, yeah. The Babadook was written and directed by Jennifer Kent. It is an Australian film. I believe it's our first Australian film since Picnic at Hanging Rock wow. on this show. A little gap I in um, time between those two movies. Yeah. So, as we alluded to, the first time we watched this film, it was together, because folks, believe it or not, we used to be roommates. (laughs) That is something that we tend to do, too. 
yeah, now the roommate activity, not so much. For anyone interested, you'd have to check out our OnlyFans to see that kind of material. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> see the Zach and Matt only OnlyFans account. Yeah. It's really disturbing. <laughs> but we <laughs> just those pictures of us watching movies. <laughs> Nude. <laughs> we did a thing two years in a row. I was the only one that finished it the second year, but the yeah. first year, me, you, and another roommate. It's hard. It's demanding. We did 31 Days of Horror. That's right. The Babadook was not available for us to watch that first October, but the second one, it was on Netflix. It was on Netflix very quickly, it I was, think, in yeah. the U.S. Right. And it got a lot of buzz on Netflix Yeah, pretty quickly, well, I This say. was the, the resurgence of elevated horror that's, that's right sort of yeah continued was, on with ari aster and whatnot but well, yeah and this was uh, i don't know if this was the same year or a year after uh, it follows yeah which kind of also had that same time art house horror film feel to it watching this movie last night there was a unique feel to this style at that point it kind of came out of nowhere like these horror movies that Felt a little bit more elevated than things that we were used to seeing out of the horror genre throughout the 2000s. The Babadook stars S.E. Davis as Amelia and Noah Wiseman as Samuel. Just a horrifying kid. (laughs) The movie is about a single mother and her child falling into a deep well of paranoia when an eerie children's book titled Mr. Babadook manifests in their home. What a scary thing, and, and I think this is something that hit me pretty hard and, and is something that I still worry about all the time, and it's the idea of you having a kid, and it's just like that kid is just <laughs> <Period>. so annoying. <laughs> like that kid is just – you're just like, I, I can't live with this. This kid is just the worst. Even more than Rosemary's Baby or The Omen or anything else. That's right, yeah. The Babadook serves as a deterrent against having kids. <laughs> yeah. The, the, having children, that's the real nightmare really? of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> just having a horrible asshole uh, I, and just child. Your, your life spins wildly out of control. And one thing that they nail in this movie, too, is just that wired, sleep-deprived feel. Not just for the character, but for the, the whole movie kind of feels that way. And, and that's what I think about having kids, too. It's just like you'll never sleep again. Or have fun. Right. The Babadook entered into the 2014 Sundance Film Festival, which led to attention and critical acclaim across Europe and the U.S., made $10.3 million at the box office on a $2 million budget. Okay, that's a good showing. All of this after a pretty lackluster run in art house theaters down in Australia. So it it gained notoriety coming up to the States has a That's 98% right. on Rotten Tomatoes. That's true. It, it, it was beloved at the time. It, it got a ton of... Yeah, it was one of the best-reviewed films of that year, yeah, yeah. and the buzz was pretty deafening, so anyone who was remotely interested in horror had to check it out. That's that right. was one yeah. of the, the go-to movies of that time period. Right. I mean, I think there, it was like one of those movies where a buzz on Twitter as well, one of those ones where people that you knew were like tweeting about it and stuff... Yeah, I think yeah, even William Friedkin himself, director of The Exorcist, oh, yeah. had put out a tweet about all of the definitive horror movies. Like, I, I can't remember his list. It was kind of crazy. It was like Psycho, Alien, and then he was Diabolique, like, Diabolique, yeah, yeah. which I love, but I don't really think it's that scary. And then he's like, yeah, and then The Babadook. People were really high on it, and the first time you watch it, it is definitely scary. Absolutely. Not so much yeah. in subsequent viewings. This time... This time watching it, I certainly still found it entertaining. 
well, a lot more laughs <laughs> in it this time for yeah, me. Yeah, there is than... sort of a dark humor to a lot of it. Yeah. I wasn't, I guess, as tuned in on the first time watching it because, like I said, I mean, it creeped me out a lot, a lot of the way through. And I think the more you watch it, the more you're realizing how heavy-handed the message is that they're trying to get across. But when I watch something for the first time, I, I can so just take it at face value, which yeah. for this movie is pretty frightening but also fun. It's all, But, yeah, and even still, it's harder to see everything until the picture's complete exactly and then you, yeah right then you look back at you're it like, and you're like oh, oh yeah wow. that was pretty obvious right. what they were trying to they're go basically for. just like punching you in the face with it afterwards after its initial popularity the babadook sort of took on a second life as an lgbt icon for sort of a joke reason it started as okay. like a meme but then people really ran with it because of the babadook's dramatic persona grotesque costume and chaotic effect within a traditional family structure and it became so much that they did like charity screenings of it and then they released like a special edition of the blu-ray with like a rainbow slip cover okay and it became like a whole thing for a while all right just one of those little internet yeah yeah oddities that pops up takes off it's based off of kent's 2005 short film entitled monster which i believe is on the blu-ray but i didn't have time to watch so almost a, a nine-year gap to go from short film to feature <laughs> anytime we do films by women on this podcast yeah, yeah. you can really tell like what a it's struggle a, it is really yep because even her next movie which i included on my best of the year list last year the nightingale I took actually think like, about it five years yeah. To get another movie made, even though The Babadook was, was a, a big hit. A success, yeah. <laughs> financial and critical success. Now, granted, The Nightingale, not really the type of movie that's going to generate a lot of money. I, I was That's what I was trying to say. I, I still think about The Nightingale. I, I've never seen it, but just from you explaining it, and I don't even think... It's still on Hulu. You could watch it at any time. I know, I know, but I always don't want to watch it because of your description of yeah, it. Yeah, the first half hour is pretty brutal yeah yeah. there's some rough material in it (laughs) yeah and i I get worried about a description like that but one of these days she basically learned how to direct by writing a letter to lars von trier of all people and asking to assist him on his film dogville which came out in 2003 no wonder she made a fucked up movie yeah and that that was basically like a crash course and she noticed that like von trier used like a tight-knit group of people oh, yeah. that he was familiar with she sort of picked up that whole routine to make the babadook i think the techniques in this movie it, it was kind of like the first time in a while that you felt like you were seeing like a throwback to like 70s and 80s horror to a degree with like the sound effects and some of the effects that they were using it felt like some of those techniques really felt like more of a callback to that time period in a way that we weren't really seeing for a while yeah, it's a reminder that, again, because we've come across this a couple of times in these last two months and, and other previous Greatest Octobers, that you don't need an extravagant budget to do an effective horror film. This oh, yeah. is a small-budgeted film coming up with creative ways to tell the story. Yeah, And if you hit the right things effectively, it will just work better. And yes, it takes strong acting performances in both leads are very good in their parts, even though that means like the kid is like unbearable. Oh, I know. But that's he is good. He's good in it. I mean partially what the point is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it certainly got like a cool look to it. I mean it's like very grim and dark, but it it definitely works for the vibe of the movie. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. It all ties in with it. Like, they set this thing in a creepy house with creepy rooms. Right. And so just having her laying in bed and there's a noise and then that shot that you keep seeing in her bedroom of that weird closet thing that they yeah. have and then like the mirror and then the it's like causing like this eerie the paranoia yeah and you're, you're always like am i seeing something in the dark is there somebody standing there? like that kind of a feeling the whole time just very effective absolutely so let's get into it please it opens with a car crash dream and we're going to learn later on that amelia's husband was killed in a car accident on the way to the hospital when she was in labor. Which I guess is really like the big reveal. We know that he was killed in the car accident, but... I think Samuel says it pretty early. Okay. To that woman at the grocery store. I guess the reveal is more that she's willing to voice that at the end of the movie. Amelia's this exhausted widow living with her troubled six-year-old son, Samuel. Just wildly out of control. He seems to have some behavioral disorders or something going on. His heart's in the right place. (laughs) He has an obsession with a monster he believes will be coming, and he's even building weapons to fight against it. That's right. Amelia works at a long-term care facility for the elderly, and there's a guy that works there named Robbie. And yeah. he's clearly interested in sniffing around. That's right. <laughs> because who wouldn't be? Amelia is an attractive woman. She's cute, but she's downplaying her looks right now, I would say. Yeah, well, some people can just bring it au naturel. No yeah, that's makeup. Right. That's true. Not really even combing her hair ever. <laughs> Not putting a lot of effort into her outfits, I would say. Yeah, and she just looks good. Yeah. Essie Davis, I think most people would know from Game of Thrones. What? Which I think she was only in one episode. What episode was that? She was in that play where Ari has to assassinate somebody. The actress, that's right. She was one of the actresses. She was like the good one or something. Yeah, yeah, the one that helps Arya. Yeah. But she's been in some other movies and stuff, but I think the Babadook is probably like her most known role by far. I mean, she's great in this, has to have a, a wide range of emotion, and is borderline insane. So she's working at this long term care facility. And one of the other ladies comes up to her. And I love that look on her face. Her face just drops when the woman says, your son's school is on the phone. Well, you know, she's been having a rough go of it for, what is it, six years now? And she's just trying to deal with this kid who is just out of control at all times. Turns out that Samuel has brought one of his weapons to the school. Oh, no. And so we have a scene of her talking to the people from the school, and the school wants to employ a full-time monitor, as they call it. By the way, his weapons are kind of weird. I don't know how he gets this whole like backpack slingshot thing, but then he also seems like he has like knives, and is she supplying him with these... The darts? Yeah. <laughs> or what? <laughs> well, also, I know there's parts where he's an aspiring magician, but he's got those little things that are like almost like a firecracker where he just like throws them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the thing is that she's just in she, over her head at this point. She doesn't point. know what to do. She can't deal with it because she's trying to work a full-time job, and this kid's got a lot of issues. He's got some behavioral problems. He seems completely out of control, and now she feels betrayed by the school because she feels as if they're just giving up on him and throwing oh, no. him in the trash. What do you mean I have to take him full-time? 
Well, no, she doesn't have to take him full time. They want to employ a full time monitor, and she That's doesn't true, want yeah. him to be separated from the other kids. So Which she is takes him out of the yeah. school herself. Which is actually, I mean, that is like a sad element to it. There's definitely parts where you, you feel bad for this kid. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, he's, it's rough. It is it's rough. It's a rough, rough. Yeah. thing to deal with. Everything is an avalanche, and she's clearly unable to cope. Amelia's only real outlet to like talk about this stuff is to her sister Claire who, who has a daughter named Ruby and seems over it at this point yeah and, and we'll that pretty much admit that later starts to unravel more and more Claire breaks it to Amelia that Ruby does not want to have a shared birthday party with Samuel anymore Claire does seem like kind of a bitch and when she's hanging out with her friends the Real Housewives of Australia. Of Adelaide. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, none of them seem particularly great to me. She gives us a little clue here, though, about what's really going on when yes. she says, why don't you just celebrate on the actual day? Meaning Samuel's birthday has not been celebrated on whatever day he was actually born. They've just combined it with rubies, and we don't know why yet, but that sort of ties in with what we were saying earlier about the car accident. Yeah. And this is the hint of what the Babadook is all about. In fact, the first 15 minutes or so, we've already seen Amelia's reactions to any hint of her husband and the incident. We're dealing with a woman with a buttload of unprocessed trauma and grief. Sure. She loves her son as painful as he might be able to deal with sometimes, but the truth is Samuel has always been an impediment to yeah. a proper grieving process from day fucking one. So she literally gives birth to this kid. Right. And then is unable to really grieve for her lost husband because she's now a mother and has to take care of this baby. And it yeah. doesn't seem like she has a big support system in place to help her. Which all of that combined is already like, okay, this is a lot. I think when you add in the fact that this kid is particularly needy. Yeah. Uh, it just, yeah, uh, exacerbates the situation. Well, yeah, I think... Jennifer Kent was talking about one of the things that she wanted the movie to be about was the painful side of motherhood and how just sometimes you just can't stand your kid. But yeah, you still it, have yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. She doesn't. It's not always the sunshine and roses right. as it's sometimes portrayed that every mother goes through some dark moments. And yeah, I mean, it seems like hell patches. to me. <laughs> I mean, and this all leads to the sudden appearance of the Mister Babadook book. One night, Sam asks his mother to read a pop-up storybook called Mr. Babadook out of nowhere. It and just you are appears. like, yeah, where did this book come from? And the more you get into it, how did we get this book? Amelia does not recognize this book or understand where it came from. It's all about a monster, a monster called the Babadook, a yeah. tall, dark shadow figure with a pale face, a top hat, and what seemed to be like sharp, pointy claws. And she's like, this is for kids? <laughs> The Babadook torments its victims once they become aware of its existence, and as she's reading it, it's truly disturbing. And one of the repeated phrases is, let me in, let me right, in. Right. Which, of course, initially you will take to mean, let me in the house, but then we'll find out later is something a little different. Yes. And another factoid that we learn in the first stanza of the book is you can't get rid of the Babadook. Yeah, which is a hard thing to deal with. The book itself has no author listed or publishing <laughs> info. It, it looks almost handmade in a way. It does, yeah. It seems like it's uh, almost like someone's arts and craft project. 
if it's in a word or it's in a look, you can't get rid of the Babadook. If you're a really clever one and know what it is to see, then you can make friends with a special one, a friend of you and me. His name is Mr. Babadook, and this is his book. Not really a great rhyme there. No. <laughs> a rumbling sound, then three sharp knocks. Babadook, duck, duck. Well, that's the thing. I mean, did this thing write its own book, yelling things like Babadook? I just, I, I'm not picturing the most literate well it's like kind of a an evil dr seuss okay yeah i can i can get into that that's when you'll know that he's around you'll see him if you look this is what he wears on top he's funny don't you think see him in your room at night and you won't sleep a wink and yeah, that's where me. she she stops reading that line <laughs> right. at that point she already tried to but then samuel like made her continue yeah yeah then it says let me in again i'll soon take off my funny disguise Take heed of what you've read, and once you see what's underneath, you'll wish you were dead. And it cuts to him, like, crying, (laughs) and she's trying to read, like, another story. That was me, like, watching this movie. Because, of course, Samuel is convinced the Babadook is real, and this seems to be almost what he was sort of preparing for with all of his contraptions and weapons and whatnot. I know, but then it's like, where did this book come from? And I know, like, we, we, know, we know what the movie's about, right? But I do like to try to, like, work through it at face value, <laughs> too, because it's just like... What's well, a magic book? Okay, sure. It, well, it has to be, because we know what happens to it later. <laughs> so after she finally gets this kid to sleep, it's vibrator time. Yeah. Unexpected, I would say. <laughs> but you weren't sure that she was down, you know? Oh, she's down. She is. <laughs> yeah, and this is, like, another one of those, like, horrible... This is like Black moments. Swan. Because you don't, I mean, for people who haven't seen the movie, it's not like you like see anything because she gets yeah, under yeah. the covers, but then she like takes but her you, panties I mean, off and throws them on the floor. That's right. So you can imagine. So she's like, you know, she's going full on here. She's having a time, I would say. She still has like a nightgown on. She's still worked up from her coworker, you know. And then she gets close and it seems like it's happening. And then, of course, Samuel interrupts. Yeah. And this is sort of the beginning of the spiral of insomnia that will play out through most of the rest of the film. Yeah. Where neither of them seem to ever get like a full night's sleep. Which sometimes is she will sleep till like the middle of the day almost like the morning when it's bright out but like right. after hours of being up all night. But then, and then it's like when they do sleep at night they're like waking up in the middle of the night and going and watching TV which is just all too relatable. That night, the strange sounds start in the house and some other weird shit like doors opening and sounds like that oh, yeah. start happening. I would be like, we need to move out of this house. I know that's always like my go-to move, but it, you can't live in old creepy big houses. It, there's just too much that can go wrong. Shortly after the vibrator incident where she had to like... <laughs> the vibrator incident? Well, it's just like one of those horrible things. Also like... like what... The kid is hopping into the bed and she's like scrambling yeah, to shut yeah. it off and it's like a whole thing. Right. Sam does a basement magic show, so it's sort of a recurring thing that he'll dress up as a magician and then like repeat stuff that a magician says on like one of his DVDs or something. <laughs> yes, nothing in my hands, nothing in my hands. <laughs> oh god, just a yeah. creepy kid in a creepy basement. <laughs> Except he set up his stuffed animals and then a picture of his mom and dad. Sad, very sad. And so he's talking to the picture as if it is his mom and dad. And so obviously I do, there's I, this hole in his life where yeah. he doesn't have a dad. There's certainly some harsh memories of my childhood that this brings up of of me just like, you know, performing for no one, reciting lines from movies. 
Yeah, it got even worse when you did start doing it in I front know, of people and yes. everyone was like horrified. <laughs> <laughs> people were like, does he think this is, counts as a personality? <laughs> this is horrible. Does he think this is good? <laughs> He's referencing things nobody else has seen. Uh, yeah, what Ewok is- Adventures. <laughs> yeah, you're running around with like a bracelet on. Caravan of Courage. <laughs> but this is all of his dad's stuff is down in the basement. It's sort of like it's hidden away from the rest of yeah. their lives really robbie pays a visit and he realizes that it's trying to bad. get involved with a- amelia is just a huge yeah, yeah. mistake it, it, it's a bad scene you got to give this guy credit i mean he seems like a great dude he's like covering her shift he's showing up at the house bringing her flowers bringing a present for her kid and it's just like when, when he gets a peek at what's going on <laughs> and plus she's like going off the rails no guess what my kid is not sick He's so horrible that his school doesn't want him, so he has to be here. And that's the first time that Samuel's heard that, and so he's like, you said that was a trap? He's like running upstairs. Yeah. And the thing with him is, not only does he just scream all the time and say crazy shit and just not stop talking ever, he also just says anything in front of anyone. There's no filter at all. I mean, I have to say, this kid is great in the movie. I mean, both performances are great, but there's parts of the movie where you feel like, Oh, man, I just feel so bad for this woman with this kid. But then there's also parts of the movie where you're like, I feel so bad for this kid in this situation with his mom. <laughs> well, yeah, she's clearly got her own issues, which is sort of what the movie is about, right. really. yes. So the next escalation of events is Amelia finding glass in her food all of a sudden. And then when she runs up stairs on her bed is a defaced picture of her and her husband and that's actually kind of creepy i agree with that yeah that is certainly unsettling especially if you think okay this definitely wasn't samuel if you're like already at that point mentally with the movie right right then yeah it's it's creepy it almost has like it's almost scarier if it was samuel imagine like your kid doing that yeah that's true definitely has like an exorcist vibe at times absolutely yeah to like the defaced statue of mother mary and then also later on the bed will be shaking there are some like that's hints true and of she it. does like the throw up thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> when she confronts samuel about the glass in her food and the picture his reaction is actually just hilarious because he almost like says nothing and just immediately runs <laughs> to grab his weapons that's like right. all right yeah. he's the babadook's been... here we're ready to go right this is the moment that he's been waiting for and he's screaming, don't let it in, don't let it in. And she's like, what do you, stop it. This is not a real thing. Stop I, doing this. <laughs> yeah. And why do you have these weapons? Amelia finds the Babadook book in Samuel's room and she takes it downstairs, rips it up and puts it in the trash because he won't shut up about it. He's now convinced it's a real thing and that uh, he, the Babadook is coming. And I would just say beyond all that, just something you don't want in your house. And she believes that this fucking maniac put glass in her food. And defaced a picture of her dead husband with her, which is obviously a sore subject that she does not even want to talk about. Yeah, I think she felt like that was in poor taste. And so now she's like really losing it. She takes Samuel to Ruby's birthday party, his cousin who's approximately the same age, and Ruby's just a little cunt. Really? (laughs) I mean, you hate to say it, but sometimes it really is. She's just not a nice person. I know she's a kid, and it seems like it's forgivable, well, but it's not. Clearly, she learned it from her mom. Yeah. <laughs> she's bullying Sam for not having a father, so he ends up pushing her out of the treehouse. Yeah. <laughs> where okay. she lands on her face and, and breaks her nose. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe Samuel took it a little far. But, I mean, he was reacting emotionally. She was crossing some lines. 
Yeah, and you've seen it a million times in TV shows and movies. It is where a weird you one. You can't explain it after it's happened. You look like now, granted, he's just a little kid anyway, but like you look like you're completely insane <laughs> and a monster. Yeah, yeah. And how do you explain what just happened? It's a, but it is like this thing that does continue to pop up in in movies and shows and things that we've done for the show the idea that a kid making fun of another kid for not having a parent be alive anymore yeah i mean that seems like a crazy thing to do i just feel like when i was a kid like my mom or something would be like oh yeah like their their dad's dead it's so horrible it's like such a sad thing like it would never cross my mind to like make fun of a kid yeah for... i think well most decent people but but yeah i guess when you I don't know. I was reading some descriptions of some people experiencing like different types of bullying. I'm sure it happened. I was like, yeah, you know, bully (laughs) can get kind of crazy. It does get pretty dark. The further you get from it as an adult, sometimes you sort of forget, especially if you weren't like that affected by it. But I do think that like people did like really mean shit to each other. I agree with that. This one just seems like I it just it seems wild. Especially since it's your cousin. Right. Or it's his yeah. cousin. It's not even just some random girl. It does feel like it's in poor taste. So she used to like run out of this party with her maniac kid as the other girl was being taken to the hospital, I guess. And Yeah. This would be like I, I don't think I'm gonna see that the, part of the family anymore. Yeah, you loved the rest of that party though. Like the mean bitches that oh, were mean to Amelia. Yeah. Well, they weren't even mean. They were just so of another world. They just oh, were know. not. They were unable to said, relate yeah, to the, somebody. The Real Housewives. Yeah, and obviously they're talking about how horrible it is, like not being able to go to the gym or whatever, which <laughs> strikes a chord with her. Which I did find that part both entertaining and relatable. But I love that she's just like, "Oh, the great tragedy of not being able to go to the gym." <laughs> On the drive home from the party, that's where we have the famous meme from this movie where she's screaming why can't you be normal yeah and then the kid is just screaming his <laughs> response is to just scream <laughs> which yeah. is hilarious Even irregardless of the Babadook, and the Babadook obviously inflames everything, but there's this constant rhythm to this movie that's hard to grasp at first, but they sort of continue it like pre-Babadook, then all throughout it, and then even when the Babadook eventually like possesses her, it's where things will rise up a roller coaster, but then like calm back down. It's like... Well, and you do. It, it's like it very ebbs and flows because it'll sure. cut from him going completely insane, and then like the next scene, things will be kind of normal. Well, and he'll again. be like cuddling with his mom, and it's actually kind of sweet. This kid seems super annoying at times, but then there is times where he, he seems sweet, and you're rooting for him. Sam has another vision of the Babadook in the car, which Amelia cannot see, of course, and then he has a seizure. So she takes him to a doctor. 
begs the doctor for sedatives. Amelia tells him that they haven't slept in weeks. Yeah, the doctor's just like, this seems like drug-seeking behavior. He refers them to a psychiatrist, but he says that it might take weeks to get an appointment. So they're sort of at an impasse. They do have a peaceful night that night, though, the first night that Samuel's on the sedatives, and then it's the daylight comes streaming in. And she wakes up a little later than usual. Samuel, at this point, not attending school because she's pulled him out of the school. There's a knock at the front door. She goes down, opens it. There's no one there. She shuts the door, and then there's more adamant knocking louder. And she opens the door again, and she looks down, and the Babadook book is back, reassembled. Literally, not just magically reassembled, but taped back together, (laughs) which makes it seem crazier. It's sort of a, a neat little detail because it makes her think that it's not supernatural, which is a great trick to play because yeah. she then thinks someone is fucking with us because th- it's not a magic monster that's going to tape this thing back together. One thing about this movie, you know, we talk about the Safdie brothers and, and the masters of anxiety that they are, but I, I would say that's very present in this movie as well. There's just kind of a constant anxiety to the scenes and it's the middle of the day it's not really scary but it's just sort of unnerving in addition to being taped back together the book now has added lines and pages and amelia herself now seems to be the monster's target in the new illustrations it says i'll make a wager with you i'll make you a bet the more you deny the stronger i get which haunting okay lgbt icon but what about emo icon agree Morrissey. that's right the more you ignore me, <laughs> the closer. Isn't that like what he's saying? The, clo- I, I, yeah. the closer I get. These do seem like lyrics to a Smith song. Let me in. You start to change when I get in. The Babadook growing right under your skin. Oh, come, come see what's underneath. Not really a great ending. Doesn't rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four out of ten stars. But the new on that. pictures are kind of wild they're even crazier than the initial pop-ups because now they're taunting her more intense amelia the illustration of her killing the dog by breaking its neck oh no they have a little dog in the house which why they have a dog is sort of baffling they can barely take care of themselves. I, I know it seems like a lot and it does feel like having to take care of this dog is like pushing her over the edge and then it shows her strangling sam and then the final pop-up in a particularly brutal one is her slitting her own throat and then like the pop-up thing of like blood coming out, which is so <laughs> crazy. Yeah, so as a viewer, you're like, I mean, if you're taking this all as like foreshadowing, you're like, oh boy, uh, we're in for a little bit of a dark path here. So her response is to now burn the book. Hopefully that will work. Didn't you have like some version of the Blu-ray or something that had like almost like an interactive sleeve or something? Well, yeah, it it opens up and there's like a pop-up yeah, yeah. of the one page of it, like with the monster mouth. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I still have it. Good. She burns the book and then she gets a phone call where there's sort of like a monstrous metallic voice that says like, Baba Duke, Duke, Duke. I feel like, where are you calling from? So she's convinced that somebody is harassing them. She goes to the police station to file a police report. (laughs) Yeah, this is a laugh. Hi. I want to report someone stalking me and my child. Can you tell us what happened? Somebody sent me a children's book. (laughs) And... And it contained violent and graphic images of my child and me being murdered. 
Can we have a look at the book, please? I burnt it. You burnt it? Yes. Well, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it. He's been making phone calls to me as well. What's he been saying? Nothing, just making these noises. How do you know it's the same person? Because of what he wrote in the book. The book you burnt? Yes. So you received a book. Where, let's see the book. And she's like, well, I burned it. Well, like, well, we can't do anything. Then. Yeah, we're not going to be able to investigate that. And then over the shoulder of the policeman, like hanging on a hook on the wall is basically the Babadook's outfit, which is really weird. Well, I think it's just this whole she keeps seeing these things, right? Like, doesn't she see almost like a, a, a hat and jacket hanging in the basement as well? Yeah, but this thing at the police station has the claws coming out of the sleeves of the jacket. Uh, yeah, I know. It's there. It's present. But, I, I mean, I think it's just like this imagery that's happening in real life that's just sort of fucking with her because everything else is I, on I edge. don't know what this could be, though, at the police station if, if it's real. I don't think it could be real. Okay, yeah. Just because of the She's claws. She's just seeing it, yeah. It just isn't the like the jacket and the hat. Okay, but like, what are the claw things coming out of the sleeves? Uh, the edges of a scarf. No. Okay. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so she runs out of there and becomes even more isolated and shut in. As I mentioned, Samuel not attending any school at this point. She begins having hallucinations, including a disgusting cockroach. Yeah. Infestation behind the refrigerator. Of anything in this movie, this part, hard to watch. Insects in your house, horrible. Yeah. Reminded me of the Sarah Street apartment. Some hard living going on there. (laughs) The bugs just pouring out of the wall. (laughs) Out of the roof. (laughs) And then she has a Babadook sighting, which is kind of creepy. When she looks next door to the old lady, Mrs. Roach, sitting on her chair, and then in the background, there's that dude. I think this is the section of the movie that had sort of like the most scares for me. Yeah, because the scariest scene, in my opinion, of the entire movie is the next section here where she's laying in bed and the Babadook enters the room. Because at first, there's that like noise in the hall. Yeah, yeah. And then she hears the dog make a noise. So then she goes and opens the door and the dog comes in and she's like, you can tell she's scared. She right, breathes right. a sigh of relief, like, oh, it's just the dog. But then the noise happens again in the hall, and the door just suddenly opens. And she's in a dark room, and the room, as we've described, is creepy already. Right, right. And you see that door open, and then, like, the figure kind of go up to the ceiling. Yeah. Well, there's, like, that dresser that's kind of, or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of creepy on its own. Yes. That's what I described as like a closet. Right, yeah. But yeah, it's like an open... I don't know what they call those things. I think you can call them a closet, but they're sort of like you open them up, they have doors on them. Yeah. But it's like a piece of furniture. That's just something... It's like you keep picturing like the Babadook's just going to be like on top of that thing. Yeah. And then it comes in, it's working its way on the, the ceiling, and she does the thing that I always hate in horror movies where she goes under the blankets to hide. Yeah. And the camera is like under the blankets with her. So you can't see what's happening. And like, I hate that. It makes you uncomfortable. You just don't like it. 
No, it's scary. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you just you, you don't know what's going on above the blanket. I like, agree. Yeah, and creepy. then it's just like you know they they're just gearing you up for the big shock. When and then she takes the blanket down, and then the Babadook enters Amelia, but not in a fun consensual way. Uh, certainly not. Yeah. Although it is through the mouth. Okay. I guess now's as good a time as any to bring it up, because okay, at this point in the movie. You certainly feel like the Babadook has taken control of her, that it's entered her, it's possessed her. Yeah. The words of the little poem start making sense, let me in, and then he's talking about growing well, under her skin. Right. So they weren't talking about let me into the house, it was let me in to you. Yes. Now, But I, then... Yeah. I know where you're going with this, yeah. It all builds to her being possessed again later. And you're like, well, wait a minute. I thought it was already inside of her. Well, I guess if you're going by exorcist logic, it's a slow path to get to this like full-on possession. You know? I guess. This was just like the first hint of it. Right. So then she can't fall asleep. She goes downstairs. She's watching TV. Everything she watches in this movie is creepy. We haven't talked about it, but she has this horrible toothache that she's been dealing yeah with, right? the tooth is always i don't really know what that's symbolic of but it's always like bothering her yeah i was trying to look it up a little bit because i've I've always heard that if you have dreams about like your teeth falling out or something that's very representative of anxiety or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. but that doesn't seem like people were really interpreting <laughs> that no based it's on not what a I was dream you no know, i know but when she's full-on babadook possession like crazy lunatic she does just rip the tooth out <laughs> yeah Everything she watches is weird. She watches this silent movie, and then the Babadook like appears in the silent movie. Right, right. And clearly there's like a change in her facial expression. But as I've said, there's going to be a further change, I guess. Oh, yeah. It's kind of confusing re-watching the movie because you're anticipating certain parts, and you're like, okay, well, this must be the part. That's the scariest scene. And then it goes inside of her, so like, okay, this is it. And then... No, there's still more. Yeah, I know. It kind of winds back down a little bit and then ratchets back up. She stays up all night and then calls off work. And now she's like snapping at Samuel. Oh, yeah. A little bit more. She's getting on edge. And then she tries to make it up to him. She takes him out for like ice cream at some restaurant. But then on the drive home. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. The Babadook creeps into her rear view mirror. And then it's like on top of the car causing her to crash. Yeah. And she hits his car and then just drives away, basically. Has an accident with a guy that doesn't seem like the type of guy you'd want to be in a car accident with. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, immediately like, you fucking idiot. What the fuck, you fucking bitch. (laughs) And then she just drives away. Which I do love that response. Never Uh, comes back up in the rest of the movie that that would be a problem. Yeah. (laughs) He somehow didn't get her license. He was like, uh, two days, didn't know to look at her (laughs) license plate. shocked, and he's just like stunned in disbelief. Amelia continues to lose grip on reality, and when they get home, she's sitting fully clothed in the bathtub and then brings Samuel into the bathtub, too. <laughs> it's at this point you feel like, okay, I feel like we've got some problems here. And we've alluded to it before, but I just I, I want to bring it up again that the house that they live in is very like old-looking and creepy, and well, her yeah, bedroom they, in particular is creepy. Absolutely. I mean, they do just have a standalone bathtub. Not something that you're... The bathroom's not that creepy. It's yeah, white. Yeah, I know, but it's just like... They the just, other rooms are very dark. Just having a, a tub sit out. <laughs> I, okay, it's I guess that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess adding to that, taking a bath fully clothed. With your son, who's <laughs> six. Yeah. 
Samuel at best. sort of sense that things are going off the rails, and he reaches out by phone and calls the neighbor Mrs. Roach, <laughs> which... I don't even know how this kid could operate a phone. Causes Amelia to flip out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so she takes the phone, Cuts the cord. assures the neighbor that they're fine, hangs up, then takes out a knife and is like waving it around and then cuts the phone line. Seems extreme. And this is what I meant. Like everything's a roller coaster because she seems so pissed and you're like, all right, she's full evil now. But then later she has a vision of Samuel dead and bloody with his throat slit and she freaks out. But like mentally she's sort of slipping away. And I guess this is probably more based in reality than in movie logic because I think if you started down this path, it wouldn't be just all one whoosh and then you're gone it is like she's fighting back and then sliding back down almost like you're trying to climb back out of a muddy pit and you're like making it halfway up and then you know sliding back down into insanity again and then oh yeah so it's not all one thing no it's peaks and valleys they're experiencing total isolation and paranoia now she's cutting out the world and all of this seems to be manifesting in the form of this bad toothache And then she falls asleep in the chair in the living room, and she has a dream where she's led into the basement by Samuel, and it's a dream of her dead husband who talks to her and says, we can be together, you just need to bring me the boy. (laughs) I thought you were dead. I thought you were dead. can be together you just need to bring me the boy you mean Samuel
the voice changes though from that of her dead husband Oscar to possibly the Babadook or the yeah. monster. Feels like uh, something is off here. Yeah, his voice becomes like more metallic where he just keeps saying, you bring me the boy, you can bring <laughs> me the boy, and he's swallowed up by the darkness. He was just a boy. She wakes up and runs upstairs. She's now being pursued by the Babadook. This sequence is not bad, and it, it, it's mildly scary, but I feel like after that sequence in it the bedroom sense. where her... What? It almost doesn't make sense. Yeah, like, I don't know. The, it just seems weird that this is all happening when you already thought the Babadook was inside her. A double possession. Because she runs upstairs to her bedroom, which has a fireplace in it, and then his hat like drops down, yeah, which is creepy. The chimney, yeah, I like that. She's crawling along the floor, like screaming, and then he like I guess gets Enters inside of her, her again. from behind. <laughs> it's a rear entry situation. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, the first time it went into her mouth, <laughs> and then the second time it's like she's laying on her stomach on the floor, and I'm like, well, how did it get in that time? Yeah, I know. Well, it's left to the imagination. At least it, did, at least it didn't go ass to mouth. Uh, of course, <laughs> it went uh, mouth to ass. you know her, her pupils go dilated, so we know we're full on. Finally, yeah, <laughs> we're finally to the possession here. Right, right. It just seems like maybe they made this movie and it was 15 minutes too short, so they yeah. just had to like redo a whole other Let's thing. Let's do a second possession. <laughs> So we're at full possession now. She's under the influence of the Babadook. Yeah. Amelia goes downstairs, kills the dog immediately by choking it out. Yeah. Always makes me sad. I'm not particularly crazy about pets or anything either, but you see these dogs in these movies and they're so helpless and people just kill them. Well, there is like a website for people that can't handle that, like does the dog die or some stupid thing where you can find out if a dog gets killed in a movie. So many movies. It doesn't really bother me at all because movies are fake. Well, (laughs) to some of us. And also, I guess you should point out that the last 45 minutes or so of this movie, a lot of it is... It starts to have that like fever dream feel. Yeah, some of it is clearly not happening. Like, the insects coming out of the wall was a hallucination. Right, right. It didn't happen. And the vision of Samuel with his throat slit was not real. The whole sequence of her following Samuel into the basement and then Samuel disappearing and then her dead husband talking to her, that's not real. So you kind of lose track of what's real and not real. Yeah, I mean, you're just like, this girl needs some sleep. You said that you thought the dog murder was real. I do agree with that, but I'm just pointing out that it's hard to tell sometimes. I agree. I just don't think that it's ever revealed to us that that part's not real. She then pulls out her own tooth with her hand. (laughs) Sometimes you get that, though. I mean, if well, you if have it's a pain, loose, I guess you could pull it out. But if you're in pain, just it's just like anything. Just because your tooth hurts, though, doesn't mean it's necessarily loose. Yeah, but <laughs> I, I'm fine with taking extreme measures just to get to the just to get to the bottom of it. She then chases after Samuel, screaming, "Let me in! Let me in!" Samuel, I mean, this they go upstairs. Seems like therapy would certainly be needed. She shrieks, and she's like levitating. Oh, that part's awesome. That effect is super cool. She, yeah, she comes across the room with him, and she's like, yeah. I wish you died instead of him. Mm-hmm. Seems a little tough to hear from your mom, but... S- Samuel pees himself, and she like is berating him for wetting himself. Just a flashback to like my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> Except you were probably like drunk oh, yeah. on a bathroom floor like fucking Dr. Chalice in Halloween 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yes, that is... <laughs> Vomit stains on your shirt that sounds familiar (laughs) her being like i need you to drive me to the mall to meet my real boyfriend (laughs) 
<laughs> my real boyfriend. My new boyfriend. <laughs> I was just using you for emo CDs. Hey, listen. I had all the best ones. <laughs> She's yelling at him, chasing him. She's like threatening to kill him. She's saying all this fucked up shit. Clearly they filmed this in a way where the kid probably wasn't hearing some of the fucked up shit she was yelling at him. Yeah, it does seem abusive. Mrs. Roach from next door interrupts the proceedings, though, by knocking on the door. Amelia is able to put on a semi-normal face to deal with this. I although guess. It seems kind of like... Still seems suspect. Yeah. She gets rid of Mrs. Roach, and then in the kitchen, she's crying and does this pretty great fake-out apology where she's like begging Samuel to forgive her, and she's like getting down on her knees and everything and like trying to talk sweet to him. And it goes on for a while before you pick up on it, because then she says, I want you to meet your dad. I feel like after everything I've just seen as this boy, I I think it's going to take me a while to gain some trust back. Yeah. And clearly this is all a fake out. And then Sam stabs her in the leg. (laughs) (laughs) I think like the dark side to this beyond what we've seen is it feels like this kid has a violent future ahead of him. Oh, yeah. Clearly... They'll come through this particular incident on the other side, but you're not going to be able to just shake it off. No, no. There's a lot of damage going on here. And I mean, the amount of violence he's willing to inflict on his mother, of all people. Yeah, he shoots her with like his dart gun thing in the oh, arm, yeah. and he shoots that like ball at her head <laughs> <laughs> from then, like the like, launch thing or when, whatever. When their like fight sequence spills down into the basement, it, things just go from a, a 9 to a 10. Yeah, after he stabs her in the leg in the kitchen, he lures her into the basement, and then he trips trips her her with this wire. Nails her head on the ceiling. Yeah, he somehow knocks her out and then ties her up, and it's (laughs) it really is like Fifty Shades of Babadook, because (laughs) I made you, because you were re-watching this when I got here, and I was like, pay attention to what happens here, because it's very (laughs) weird to me. yeah. Okay, he lures into the basement. He trips her with that wire. She hits her head. Yeah, it, there is Home Alone vibes all over the place. He's, <laughs> Paint can hits her in the head. <laughs> he drops a tarantula <laughs> on her face. But once she's like staggering around the basement dazed, he like takes out, I don't even know what it is. It's like those things from Dazed and Confused. Yeah, it's where like. They a, spank the freshman kids. Yeah, he literally like takes out what looks like a paddle. <laughs> and I'm like, watch where he hits her. And it, it's like. He hits her from behind, maybe the back of the legs, but I'm thinking ass. We feel like it has to be ass. It's, it's certainly so not high. Yeah. And then she somehow is I mean, knocked the kid's out by this. Three foot nothing. And falls to the ground. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, she's tied up like fucking Dakota Johnson in Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Ropes everywhere and all this shit. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Wearing like negligee. <laughs> it's a really bizarre couple of minutes there. It jumped it is, out yeah. to me because I was like, how does hitting her in the butt knock her unconscious, first of all? Well, I still think the blow to the head from when she tripped over the wire. I think that, you know, she was yeah, dazed. Yeah, but, like, if you get dazed from that and then, like, hit on the ass, it's not like you're going to be unconscious. No, I, well, I think the cerebral hemorrhaging, like, took a second all to right. catch up. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> when she comes to and she's tied up, Samuel's screaming, you let it in, you have to get it out. <laughs> It's just a weird psychosexual movie at this point. (laughs) Amelia manages to get her hands free and starts to strangle Samuel, and his response is to lovingly caress her face. Oh. Which (laughs) causes her to violently convulse and then vomit up an inky black substance. 
Love conquers all. Seemingly expelling the Babadook. That's right. He's now the boy who lived. But once back upstairs, as they're seemingly recovered and dazed, Sam reminds Amelia, you can't get rid of the Babadook, quoting the line from the book. And an unseen force drags him upstairs and into the bedroom. (laughs) She runs after and follows. He's being flung around the room, like, into the wall and stuff. And then she grabs him and takes him over to the bed, and then they're on the bed, the bed shaking, very exorcist-like. And finally, we've all been building towards this moment where Amelia is forced to rewatch a vision of her husband's death where you compared it to Under the Skin. He sort of just appears in this black nothingness. And he's reciting the things that he said on that fateful he's car ride to the hospital. Nude. That's the only difference from under the skin. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of done in a cool way where he's standing, but they're supposed to be in the car and he's saying the same things. And a couple of those lines of dialogue were things that the Babadook had said, like, I think it's going to rain or something like That's that. That's true, yeah. And then the car lights are all you see, really. You don't see like a car. And then all of a sudden his head is like cut in half. Yeah. Which and she's screaming. That's a he falls to the ground. What kind of car accident was this? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Hard to picture. One where he was partially decapitated. Yes. <laughs> pretty horrifying. A pretty clean cut, I would say. Well, I think it was just stylized. I get it. For the movie. Okay. Keep breathing. Put your seat back, sweetheart. Ten more minutes and we're there. You touch my son! 
Amelia's pissed now, though, and confronts the monster head on, screaming at it. That's right. Enough of this bullshit. This is my house. Yeah. Don't touch my fucking son or whatever. That's right. It's like the big dramatic moment where she's just screaming at it. You don't really see the Babadook at this point. Right. You really only ever see it for brief flashes a couple of times. You just see those arms like extending like tree roots like bigger and bigger and bigger out of the black like against either side of the wall. But you don't actually like see anything. It's puffing its chest out here a little bit, but she's uh, she's putting it at its place. She's like, fuck you, you (laughs) pussy. And she basically just yells at it until it collapses to the ground. And then it gets back up, screams in her face and retreats to the basement. Almost like whimpering. And Amelia locks the door behind it. After it's over, Sam and Amelia recover. Yeah. She's back to normal, and Sam seems... She feels good. I mean... To be better adjusted. Going back to school is, like, back on the table. Yeah. At first, I thought, oh, how much time has passed? Like, a year? But then you realize that this is just, like, a couple days. Because this is still, like, the same extended absence from school. They just needed some time to work through some things. They gather earthworms into a bowl, and Amelia takes them down to the basement where the Babadook now resides. She gives the worms to the Babadook to eat. It seems like it's going to attack her once again, and she calms it down (laughs) by talking to it reassuringly. She then returns to the yard to celebrate Sam's real birthday on the actual day for the first time. That's right. She's come to terms with the fact that this horrible thing happened, but life goes on. So what do we think the Babadook is about after we've seen the whole thing? I think when you describe everything and bring up the stuff with the husband, it seems pretty obvious. I think so. I I mean, obviously her dealing with this grief, dealing with this trauma, I guess not dealing with it for so many years, which has been a problem and it's bubbling to the surface. Yeah. And then ultimately, I think we know what the ending is about. Okay, I've dealt with it. I mean, it's still there. It's, it's It's not going anywhere. Yeah, it really is sort of a an examination of mental health and not dealing with the issues and then having them bubble up as something worse later on down the line. Right. Like unresolved. Now, I do think that's the way you have to interpret it. I think it's pretty obvious that that's the case. I also go back to the first time that I watched this movie and I was pretty much taking everything at face value. And I loved the ending. From that perspective... You thinking that it's a real like monster, a, like a monster in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was just like so like funny and weird. You know what I mean? So yeah, what are your feelings in general when the monster in a movie is not real and it's just representative of a bigger idea rather than taking uh, it at face value? Like, do you does that upset you when that's revealed at the end no. of something? No, it doesn't. I'm always interested in looking at things from different angles, so I think it's kind of like fun to have the face value view and then you know yeah, you start I think to- some people are bothered by it if they're really into like monster movies or horror there's sometimes it feels like a cop-out yeah to just be like well this is just a metaphor for something else but I, to me it doesn't really bother me because both either. can be fun in right, their right. own way they're just two different styles i don't really think i think it's absolutely a great time to just take probably like not just this, but most things we watch and talk about and take it at 100% face value and like talk about that. And then also like have the analytical like breakdowns over like, okay, what does this really mean? Yeah, if the Babadook was some alien that crashed down from the sky or it came out of like toxic ooze or 
there was no explanation or it was like a child molester that they set on fire or <laughs> it was a kid at camp that drowned that when the counselors weren't paying attention right, or right. it was a an escaped lunatic from an asylum hunting babysitters you know if there was some cheesy horror explanation then it wouldn't get that title of like elevated horror yeah, yeah. art house horror it has to be like some deeper thing going on like what does this really mean yeah and I think Jennifer Kent was talking about wanting to do something about the fear of going mad and the trials and tribulations of motherhood. I also just see in general like a fear of emotions and the power of denial and how you can like push something down for so long, but eventually it's going to come back up. And I also think just like the downward spiral that you can go on when you consistently aren't sleeping and like what other impacts that that can have on things. Yeah, and you're trapped. Much like Rosemary's Baby, where she's living this life. It's a completely different situation, but she's a single mother. She can't really abandon her kid in any way. So in that sense, you could almost combine that with The Exorcist as well. It's like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, where she's just trapped in this situation. And how much that weighs on her, and even if you don't factor in the idea of like a monster just dealing with this bullshit every day of like this kid i can't deal with him and i'm so tired all the time yeah i do just go back to when this movie came out and how refreshing it felt to see like a horror movie like this it was just cool the effects they use in it the tone of it it definitely kicked off a new era yeah with like the witch yep maybe to a lesser extent green room and then you would have breakout stuff like get out or whatever but it was like a new era of elevated horror that continued on with like Hereditary and Midsummer and yeah, stuff which like I that mean, too. most of these movies are all movies that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, because I think like horror can always be sort of defined by different like time periods. And, and uh, by the way, a lot of those movies I find pretty chilling, actually. Yeah, and so this stuff is sort of like the newer style, which pays homage to like other eras, but in a new way and I, I definitely see some influences in this one i think she said that she was mostly influenced by horror movies of like the yeah the 70s and i 80s. mean i would say the exorcist is a parent right yeah so i guess that'll do it for the babadook okay we got one more finish yeah what's that i said kind of an abrupt finish well we're building towards uh recommendations okay just sort of tying a little bow on it here yeah. Oh, yeah. I like when you do that. Sometimes it isn't necessary to go on and on after oh, we I finish agree. the movie. Yeah. I think we right. we hit all the important stuff. This almost feels like we're slowing to a nice, easy finish. You know, light a candle, <laughs> just soothe us out. Well, there's some movies like a David Lynch movie or something where you could literally spend four hours talking about it. And then there's some movies where the things to discuss are apparent and they're easy to get to and you hit them and that doesn't make one better than the other it's just they're different yeah. styles some don't have as many layers because they don't have to have no, it. you just get in hit the highlights get out what are you doing what what vincent stopped making picks well how am i gonna know what movies to see we have a wide variety of gene picks gene's trash i'm gene let's do recommendations for this week, you said you didn't have any? Yeah. Way to go. It's Two weeks in a row. Not a lot of time in between 
for me right now and, and being able to watch a lot of stuff. And I have watched some things, not, not really great. something. And listen, I know you that you watch mostly terrible. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I know that it's like <laughs> kind of my thing to recommend like bad movies. Oh, yeah. You've recommended a lot of terrible stuff. Right. But I, I'm kind of <laughs> overdoing that right now. I just, right, I'm, no not, need I'm not to. feeling up to it. Yeah. I have a couple of things I could mention, but I'm going to just do two. One on Netflix, one on HBO Max or HBO. The one on Netflix is obvious for everyone. I've already recommended two other iterations of this same thing, but they added the six new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries. The second batch just came out this past week. You watched, watched them all, all six? immediately yeah. in a row. You like them more than the first six? No. no. I like the first six better, but they were all pretty decent. They weren't as emotional as the first six, but I have noticed a trend, and maybe this has always been the case, because when I did watch a lot of those classic ones, I felt the same way. They're all kind of sad. Yeah, well, that's the thing. (laughs) I mean, I would say there's just a sadness to something being unsolved. Yeah, I think like when you watch those old ones, there's A, a chance that it'll be solved, and B, they did do a lot of like... Update. Old people oh. getting scammed out yeah, of their yeah. money, which is sad, but not as sad as like a dead kid or something. Yeah, it's more like pathetic. <laughs> yeah. They did six new ones. One of them's a ghost story, which is from the tsunami in Japan where like, I don't know, t- almost 20,000 people died. It was like a horrible thing. But yeah. that episode, I don't know, ghost stuff oh, it never really does it for me on those things. I so feel they- like you have to have a really good one, and that seems like too... Yeah, it was just a lot of people encountering spirits after the tsunami. Yeah, Yeah, the other ones are all kind of interesting or or variations on a theme of, you know, unsolved murders or deaths or or whatever. Uh, The last one was kind of sad because it was like two small, very small children that were stolen from a public park in like 1989 in New York City. That's horrible. And then at the end, they're like, oh, let's show you like 12 other missing kids just out of the blue like oh, here's Lord. some pictures do you recognize it's like what the fuck i'm like thanks yeah that's for ruining everything really and that's the last episode of the six where i was okay. like jesus christ leaving on a high note i love unsolved mysteries though i love the new one i love the classic ones with robert stack which you can still check out on many different streaming services now because i think they're on peacock i think they're on some free ones. I think they're some of them are on Hulu. Yeah, I, some of them are on Prime. They're I always like to throw it on from time to time. It's just such a great show. Yeah, the new one, like I said before, I would prefer if there was a host, but there isn't. Yeah, it's just sort of deal with it. The mm-hmm. other recommendation, I don't know if we've ever recommended this before. Maybe we have, but Veep, right on HBO, a show that. I would say, like, during its run, because it just ended. Like, it's weird to think that there were still episodes in, like, 2019, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mostly didn't watch it until they were, like, five or six seasons in, but... Well, that's I'm sort of the opposite. I watched, like, the first couple seasons pretty religiously and then fell out of it for a while, and then it was hit or miss. So I'd say, like, out of the initial run, I probably watched, like, 30%. So now I've just been crushing them out. Yeah. It's just um, so funny. Absolutely. The jokes are great and the characters are so fun. Some I, of the jokes in the early seasons already wouldn't fly now. Like, I think like they you, were push they were yeah. kind of pushing some envelopes. I think you see like the cast and stuff and it kind of seems like a lot of TV it's, actors it's that vets. You Well, that's that's why I think the timing is so good. It's yeah. all people that have just done this forever. Yeah, and they're just super sharp, super funny. Yeah, it's like Gary Cole 
Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Anna Chlumsky from right. My Girl. Yes. I don't know that dude who plays Dan. I don't know him from anything Dan else. Dan Egan, yeah. He's good in it, though. That dude that plays Jonah, he's pops up in a lot of stuff. A lot of people that were like in and out of like other improv-type comedy shows. Diedrich Bader, that one dude. That guy <laughs> that's in like Todd Phillips movies. Well, at least I think he's in The Hangover. Who are you talking the about? The guy that's like the... The press guy. Oh, Mike McClintock. Yeah, yeah. I always think he's hilarious. Yeah. It? Well, you are definitely like a Mike. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> You're like Mike, and I'm like... Jonah. No, that one dude that works for the president and then moves over to Selena. Oh, yeah. What's that dude's name? He was in, like, Luck on HBO, I right. think. Kevin Dunn. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the Kevin Dunn, the Ben. Yeah, yeah. I'm Ben, and yeah, you're you fucking are Mike. Yeah. Right. So Veep on HBO Max and Unsolved Mysteries again. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, folks. folks one more. Yes. One more Greatest October entry, and it We're is a end, huge one. And I'll with give a hint. A Should bang. I give a hint? Go ahead. Yeah. It's like a top ten all time movie for me. I would also agree. Yes, for me too. All right. <laughs> that's it. I don't know if that really counts as a hint, but that's what it is. I would think people can... I mean, it's a short list of what those could possibly be. Especially and, since, yeah, we've already hit a an lot An all-time other... great classic that transcends the genre, okay? <laughs> anyway, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Podbean, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I think I forgot to mention this stuff at the beginning, but who cares? Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. I was working in the lab late one night When my eyes beheld an eerie sight For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the match He did the monster match The monster match It was a graveyard smash He did the match It caught on in a flash He did the match He did the monster match from my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires peace The ghouls all came from their humble abode To get a jolt from my electrode They did the mash They did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash They did the mash It caught on in a flag They did the mash They did the monster mash The zombies were heavy
know everything's cool, Drax's a part of the band, and my monster mash is the hit of the land. For you, the living, this mash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them what it said. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. The monster mash. And do my graveyard smash. Then you can mash. You'll catch on in a flash. Then you can mash. Then you can monster mash. I was particularly blown away by the snowy vistas, the exteriors. I always love movies with snow in them. I think it's because I loved snow so much as a boy. And now we don't get it here in Los Angeles at all. Unless you're talking about that cocaine, that yayo, that booger sugar, that white pony, as the Deftones Cheeto Moreno would say. Is that right? Cheeto Moreno? I don't know. Um, I, I always think I like the Deftones. And then I try to listen to an album and I'm like, I'm out. But I like some of their songs. I like the Sade cover. I like, uh, I watched you change. I looked at the cross. You know that one? All right, so why was I even talking about the goddamn Deftones? The Hateful Eight. 